We're on week two of our subject here at 2.30 service, and it's called Unsubscribe. Can you try this for me? Just stick your finger in the air. If you could do it a little bit more conviction, it would be helpful. Stick your finger in the air and make this noise. Okay. Now, could we try it a little bit more fervently? Would that be okay? Like it mattered? Finger in the air. Okay, now you've heard that sound before, I'm sure. You've heard that sound many, many times before when you're trawling through the internet or you get some kind of information in your uh, mailbox and suddenly you realize that you got connected to something that you never intended to get connected to and in fact you have signed up for a lifetime subscription to something. You don't even remember looking at the website, talking to anybody, but suddenly you're their best friend. They start their information and connection with you with the words, dear blank. Like these people actually know you. Like you've had dinner together. Talked over a latte. You've never met these people and they chat to you like they know you personally. And you know what's even more troublesome? When you try to unsubscribe. I find that when I'm unsubscribing, I somehow have subscribed again. And now I'm their best friend. It was so lovely for you to join. I never joined. I either have huge fingers and I press the wrong button at those moments, or my eyesight is bad and I'm signing up to all kinds of things. We all have learned to go through our emails and to process in our minds what we want to read, what we want to receive, and what we don't want to receive. But when it comes to our spiritual life, I think we're just a little less savvy. There are all kinds of things that we have signed up to. How about this? Did anybody sign up to the notion that if you don't make it happen for yourself, it won't happen? Anybody signed up to that? Come on, talk to me. Have you signed up to that? No, you haven't. Somebody has at the back, though. Thank God for somebody at the back. What about this one? That it's a dog-eat-dog world, and if you don't stand on somebody, somebody will stand on you. Has anybody signed up for that? Subscribe to that reality. How about this? I am the center of my own universe. I am my own living, breathing God. I determine my destiny. Has anybody signed up for that? Now, you'd never admit to it, but I think actually many of us have got connected to some thinking or, or attitudes or, or, or orientations of heart and mind that actually have not helped us in our spiritual journey with Jesus Christ. Can I just say something honestly to you? You can't be anything you want to be. You know, there's a notion in the world that we're all subscribing to that I can be anything I want to be. Well, I wanted to be six foot seven tall. And I believed every day of my life that one day I would be six foot seven tall. How do you think I'm doing? How do you think that's going? Please be kind. <laughs> we sometimes buy into notions and ideologies that actually don't help us. See, the key to living your life is to be the best you you can be, not the you you want to be, but the one that God created you to be. And when you figure who that person is and what that life will look like, then you can start to work with God to begin to bring transformation and acceleration and blessing to your heart and to your life. And we have 
so often not really understood that we've subscribed to all kinds of thinking, all kinds of mindsets, all kinds of orientations that actually are not helpful to our spiritual journey. In Ephesians chapter 4, verses 22 to 32, this is what we're taught, it says. I taught you with regard to your former way of life, to put off, in other words, unsubscribe from your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, and to be made new in the attitude of your mind, and to put on, in other words, subscribe to your new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. What the Apostle Paul is trying to teach us here is that as Christians, if we want to progress in our new relationship with Jesus Christ, we may have to process some things that we have bought into that are contrary to that journey. There are some things we need to let go of because there are better things that we need to take hold of. There are things we need to stop thinking because they start to create a problem as we're starting to move forward in the way that God has planned and orchestrated our lives. Paul is saying to us that something of our life experience, the way we think, the way we see the world, the way we act, the way we've responded, our culture, our sociology, all of our thinking, actually we have to pay attention to. It may be hindering our ongoing advancement as a Christian. Why is this important? Because Christianity is a totally different way of life. I often think that I've been guilty of believing that what I've had is just an upgrade, maybe a bit of spiritual Botox, that somehow God has just improved on a few things. He's just cleared up some clutter and got rid of some things that were getting in the way. And really, I have the same life, but it's an upgraded life. It's upgraded because God is with me. But actually, that couldn't be further from the truth. The Bible teaches me that my old life is gone. I am a new creature in Christ. This isn't spiritual Botox. I've been utterly transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit. I have a whole new adventure to go on where I can discover who God is and I can find out who I truly am. So it's important for me not to see Christianity as just something I've added to the way I'm living my life here. Gathering all of those old mindsets and trying to adopt some new ones will cause me more problems than I first realize. I am a new creature. I have a new life. And therefore, to live this new life, I need to start thinking differently. I need to see the world from a different viewpoint. I need to start living out of the revelation of who God truly is. This is fundamental to our lives because many of us are trying to do this journey with Jesus, but we have old identity issues that are interrupting our new identity mandate. Many of us have lived under the guise of feeling unwanted or rejected or abandoned or even abused in our lives. But that's the old you. That's what happened to you. And it's really important that you unsubscribe from any thinking, any attitude, any orientation to seeing yourself and the world around you from the perspective that you had prior to Christ. Your new mindset, that which you need to subscribe to, is simply this. I am a child of the Most High God. I am wonderfully and fearfully made. 
God is with me. He delights in me. He rejoices over me with singing. He has chosen me from the foundations of this earth. So if you've had rejection issues, trust me, I guarantee you, it will create all kinds of nuances in the way you think and the way you interact with people and your relationships. But the old has gone. And now we're invited by God through the power of His Spirit and His Word to start to see ourselves differently. We are the beloved of Christ. God holds us in the palm of His hand. He is with us. He is for us. And I want to say this out loud. He's not just enduring your company. He's enjoying your fellowship with Him. God likes you. He likes you. He likes being with you. He likes talking with you. He likes sharing his heart with you. And as we start to adopt a posture from that new reality in our lives, we start to become free from the things that hindered and restricted us. We have to unsubscribe from certain things to subscribe to some new things. So how does Paul phrase this process? He uses two phrases here in this scripture. He says, put off the old and put on the new. In other words, unsubscribe from your old life and subscribe to the new life that is available to you in Christ Jesus. Put off the old. Click the button. Get rid of old mindsets, attitudes, connections if necessary, and orientations because they will never produce in you the fullness of the life that Jesus Christ has now provided for you. And put on the new, subscribe to the new. I am the beloved of God. I am chosen. I am accepted. I am favored by God. God likes me. He loves me. He wants to be with me. He's not abandoned me. He's not going anywhere. He's made it permanent. It's an eternal reality that I would live with him throughout eternity. And that eternal relationship I'm starting to understand and starting to grow in and starting to flourish in. And this is the new life that Jesus has provided for me. One of the problems I find with most Christians is they either do one or the other. They either try to put off the old. And that's kind of where the conversation stops. Sometimes we become so orientated to trying to get rid of things that we think have infected our lives. I've been around Christians for a long time, nearly 33 years now, and some people are sin-centric. They are witch-hunting sin in their lives all the time. I remember once chatting with a young man in Glasgow, and he was just, he was depressed. Well, it was no wonder he was depressed. He spent all his life looking for sin in his life. Every time you talk to him, I'd say, how are you doing? You say, I've got issues. He had issues, and I brought tissues because every single time we met, he would cry over things that had happened to him. And you know, weeks went past, months went past, a year and a half went past, and I suddenly twigged what was happening in his life. He was putting off the old. He was trying to get rid of the things that he believed infected his heart and his mind, the viruses that had somehow infiltrated his life that were stopping him from living in fullness. And while well-intentioned, it was completely misguided. If all we do is get rid of the old, then we make ourselves vulnerable. We need also to put on the new. So I said to this man, his name was Alan, why don't you try celebrating for a day? If the joy of the Lord is your strength, this is your new reality, 
How about trading up this week? And rather than searching and trawling through your life over all the things that have gone wrong, why don't you start thanking God for all the good things that he has done? Well, you would not believe the battle this young man had with that thought. He had such a, a, a default to trying to rid himself of sin, he had very little capacity to embrace the God that lied within him. He was always thinking about what he wasn't. And you know, it sounds very noble, but here's the problem. Get your eyes off yourself and you might see clearly. And many of you know that if you go looking for rubbish in your life, you'll probably find it. You'll probably find it. You go looking for rubbish in anybody else's life, you'll probably find it. If you go looking for rubbish in the church, you'll probably find it. That's why the Apostle Paul uses this phrase. He says, fix your eyes on Jesus. Fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. You won't find anything negative in Jesus. You won't find anything defective in Jesus. You won't find issues in Jesus but you might need a few tissues because when you see his beauty and his majesty and his glory, your heart will be undone. Your life will make sense and somehow you'll start to live victoriously. So my friend Alan was trying to put off the old. He had not recognized that he also, as he disrobed from his past, need to adorn himself with the good things that are now available to him as a result of what Christ has done. We need to have a balance between getting rid of some things and indeed adopting some new practices. In my life personally, I found this particularly rewarding. I went through a whole season myself of being sin-centric and then God started to readdress the imbalance and he started to teach me about joy. Do you remember joy? It seems like a mystery or a myth to some of us in this room, but actually the joy of the Lord is our strength. I went through this whole season of looking for things that would make me joyous, thinking thoughts that would make me joyous, having conversations with joy with the two people. For me to get rid of the old successfully, I need to put on the new regularly. I need to adorn my life with the trappings of relationship with Jesus, the treasure of knowing him, the value of celebrating him, the joy of discovering his wonder, his love, his majesty, and his goodness. I need to put on garments of praise and get rid of the ones, the rags that I've been wearing for years of despair and heaviness. I need to allow God to adorn me with joy and blessing and fullness and his goodness. If all I'm doing is getting rid of old things and not putting on my life new things, then what will happen is I'll become sin-centric. And I say this to you, church, and I mean it most sincerely. The devil really doesn't care how you think about sin. He just wants you to think about sin whether you're trying to avoid it or indeed enjoy it, as long as you're thinking about it, you will end up in it. For so as a man or a woman thinks, their life begins to be directed. And you've met those Christians, haven't you, that are sin-centric? Now, please God, you're not sitting next to one today. I think it was Mark Twain who wrote these words. She was the best kind of woman in the wrong kind of way. 
In other words, this person becomes so sin-orientated, they became judgmental. Now, I know you wouldn't struggle with an issue like that, but for the benefit of your friend sitting next to you, just nod vigorously. When my orientation is about lack, when my orientation is about sin, when my orientation is about what was, I can never embrace what is. I can never step into the garments of joy and blessing and fullness that Jesus has provided for me. And if you have any doubt that this new life is meant to be full and flourishing, then read John 10.10. I love that it's John 10.10. A 10 out of 10 life. Jesus says, I have come that you should have life and life in all its fullness. Paul is also identifying for us that just because we're Christians doesn't mean that the battle with the old is over. Often I meet Christians and they think, well, why do I still feel the same? Well, it's probably because you still think the same. Well, you know, I come to the church and I don't feel anything. Well, what have you been doing with your mind all week? Where has your mind been all week? Because, you know, if your thinking is stinking, then it doesn't matter what environment you're in. The result is going to be predictable. People say things like this, well, I come to church and there's no love in the church. I say, well, did you bring any with you? Did you bring it with you? If you brought it with you, we're really grateful because we want that too. But what they're doing is they're looking around for people to be offended with, things to be disappointed in. Why? Because their minds have been orientated to critique and to look for that which is negative. They are not orientated to joy and celebration. The Bible teaches us to, th to thank God for his goodness every day. I will enter your gates with thanksgiving in my heart. I will come into your courts with praise. I think the old song goes like this. I will say this is the day that the Lord has made. And my choice is not to be sin-centric, but to rejoice and be glad in it. If this new life is going to impact you anyway at all, you're going to have to work out in your mind what you need to think about. Philippians 4 verse 8, 7 and 8 says, Whatever is noble, whatever is praiseworthy, whatever is excellent, these things think upon. How are you doing with that? How is that going? I anticipate that it doesn't really matter what environment you're in because this environment is determining the outcomes of your life. Just because you're a Christian doesn't mean that you've left your brain outside of the door. It's got memories and experiences and orientations and a whole manner of things that actually, if you're not intentional about rejoicing and celebrating and putting on the new, will rob from you the very life that Jesus is offering. So we need to put off some things. And we need to put on some things. And our invitation is to live in the fullness of God's goodness and his blessing. And while doing so, allowing those things that were to die and be left where they need to be left in the past. Let me talk a little bit about what they could be. How about this to get rid of today? Are you ready? Stick your finger out. Click. Having to spend money to feel good. Mm. 
There's something quite exciting, isn't there, about having a few carrier bags from Primark? <laughs> Or as my American friends call it, Primani. <laughs> I've watched the glee on people's faces. The more carrier bags, the more joy. I mean, sometimes I've noticed they're just carrier bags. There's nothing in them. You see, we're so aspirational to be happy, we'll just take a carrier bag with Gucci on the side of it or Ferrucci or... Oh, Harrods, sorry, Harrods, Harrods. The fact that we've been to the shop doesn't mean that we bought something from it. Shall we click that button and get rid of that? Do you really need to buy things to feel good? Someone said yes. <laughs> Come on, click the button, get rid of that. What about this? How about unsubscribing from this? That you need to actually own things to feel like you're somebody. Nobody wants to get rid of this one, do they? I can feel a resistance in the room. Don't worry, we're not suggesting you sell everything and give your money to the poor. But how about this? Do you actually genuinely believe that because you have a new TV or a new car or a new whatever, that actually you're a better person? Of course you don't. What does it profit a man if he gain the whole world but lose his soul? Let's get rid of it. Are you ready? Fingers to the ready. Come on, church. <laughs> you're going to unsubscribe? Come on, are you ready? In the cheap seats at the back, are you going to unsubscribe? Don't be jealous of the front. Are you ready? Click that button. Now, we're going to take it a little away from just the material world to our internal world. How about unsubscribing from manipulating and controlling people in your life? <laughs> I, can, I can hear a screech from the back of the room. You know how you do? You meet somebody you like the look of and you position yourself in every possible viewpoint that that person could see you in. Does he or she like somebody that's intelligent? You buy fake glasses. <laughs> and you like the Holy Spirit wherever he goes, you're there. Oh, the football, it's nice to see you. And you're in the gents' toilets. How unusual. <laughs> the games people play. Trying to get who they want or what they want or get where they want, they absolutely astound me sometimes. Here's why. Because there's a better alternative. The Bible says that the steps of the righteous are ordered by God, and all of our days are written in his book. Are you ready? Say goodbye to this, baby. This will set you free from all kinds of nonsense. <laughs> are you ready? One, two, three. And what about this final one? There could be a hundred of these. 
the urge that we sometimes feel to make ourselves appear more important than we are. And we tell white lies. I remember chatting to a young man once and he was telling me a little bit about music and we're talking about music and he absolutely lied through his teeth to me. He said, I was at that concert. He wasn't even born when that concert took place. <laughs> I mean, if you're going to do it, be intelligent about it. That's what I'm saying. And I looked at him and I said, really? Because I was 20-something at it. <laughs> and it was like 100 years ago. I don't think you were even a twinkle in your father's eye at that time. He said, well, I know all about it. <laughs> Have you ever done that? Have you ever tried to exaggerate your importance? Now I'm looking at you. Have you ever embellished something to feel a little bit better about it? Talk to me. No, talk to God. He can help us with this. And what about withholding a truth that you know would help somebody, but because you feel you have the advantage over them, you refuse to do so? I'm waiting. <laughs> could you just put your hand right up for me? Put it right up. Scott, could you come and take a picture of this? All these people, no, keep your hand up, please, just keep your hand up for me. Anybody, all these people got saved at the 2.30, look. <laughs> keep your hand up, quick. Hang on, let me take it myself. <laughs> Shall we get rid of it? Can I do one more, can I do one more? Because I feel like we're doing housekeeping here today, is that okay? Now, I really struggle with this because I really struggle with this. And I don't mean that I struggle with it because I'm prone to it. I struggle with it because I really don't like it. And I know none of you would have this problem, but have you met my friend, self-pity? Has anybody met him? Give me a wave if you know him. How many of you know him really well? Come on, tell the truth, you're in church. How many of you know them? Well, let me introduce you to him if you haven't met him. He comes with a trilogy of opportunities for me to think about me. Me, 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 me. <laughs> let, let's try it. Me, 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 me. Okay. He brings a friend along with him called Self. Have you met self? Self talks like this. I feel, I want, I need. What about me? Have you met self? And I? I matter. I am important. Well, I don't know what kind of party you like to go to, but... A pity party is always a rubbish one. Those three always come, me, myself, and I. And I often think, why is it when I feel my saddest about life, do I put on sad songs? I put on that song that wrenches your heart out. 
Do you know why? Because self-pity. I feel every word. I sing every note. <laughs> I justify my pain through the music that's been played. What is it about us that when we're feeling really low and abandoned or self-pitying that we don't put on something as exciting as the Nolans? None of you know who they are. <laughs> Lionel Richie. Hello. <laughs> It's me. <laughs> Shall we get rid of self-pity? You're going to have so much room whenever he's gone because he comes with me, myself, and I. You're going to have so much space for God to do something good. Are you ready? Get your fingers ready. Come on. Wait for me. You're obviously very keen. One, two, three. So we've unsubscribed from a whole manner of things today, and we're going to do repeated clicks to close our time together. We're going to subscribe to joy. You ready? Click it for me, would you please? Indulge me, I don't get out very often. What about peace? Come on. It sounds like a kangaroo convention. What about love? Wait, wait, don't be quick, please. Wait for me, please. What about loving God and loving who God has made you to be and loving the people that God has placed in your life? Come on, triple click it, triple click it. And kindness. You see, this new life we've been given is so breathtaking, so incredible, It would be remiss of us, if not slightly silly, to not get rid of our baggage so that we can pick up our presence. To loosen ourselves from the restraints of who we were so that the cords of love that tie us to the heart and the person of God can begin to form in us this beautiful, glorious, 10 out of 10 life that Jesus has purchased for us. So throughout this week, I encourage you, watch what you think. Pay attention to your thoughts. Don't be sin-centric. Consistently praise the Lord and thank him for all he is and all that he's doing in your heart and in your life. And I guarantee you by this time next week, who the sun sets free will be free indeed.